is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We want to dig very deeply today into the devouring of the civil society by the progressives and their central government. And you can see the consequences. You can see the unraveling of civility. You can see the the unraveling of our culture. You can see the vicious, vile verbal attacks, the violence, Antifa, and now apparently there will be more violence because I don't think this thing ends very nicely. And I do want to get into all that. But as a side note, uh, I received a call that... uh, my magnificent audience voted and voted in unprecedented numbers to put me into the National Radio Hall of Fame. You did that. And the National Radio Hall of Fame has never seen so many votes. And that's thanks to you, all you Levinites out there. You may not agree with me on every single issue, but you you like the show. And I've been here for 15 years. I've been syndicated for, what, 12, something like that? In a time slot nobody thought would work. 6 p.m. on the East Coast and wherever you are. And uh, it's really all due to you. It's not due to me, it's due to you. I wouldn't be here but for you. I wouldn't have the ratings I have but for you. We wouldn't have millions and millions of people listening on AM and FM radio. And also listening on satellite. And also listening on iPods and various other digital devices, on apps. So many, we can't even tell how many, quite frankly. It's an enormous honor for me when you decide to listen to this program. Enormous honor. I'm deeply blessed and I know it. And I want to thank all of you very, very much. As I say, I believe this is uh, about us about us, not me, about our principles, our values, our beliefs. And I think that's what this vote represents. You, me, what this country is all about. That's what this show is all about. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I don't want to dwell on it because it could become monotonous. This I know. Uh, But it is an honor for anybody in radio to be a member of the... uh, National Radio Hall of Fame. Now, I thought we were voting for the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame there for a second, but no, 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 that won't work. I want to play uh, a couple of clips for you to set up a point that I want to make. Not to fill time. Maybe you already heard these clips, but I want to make a point. It's not a matter of whether you heard the clips yet. So we're going to start with cut seven. This is Jay Johnson, who was the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security under Barack Obama. He never had a dinner disrupted by protesters. 
He never had protesters protest him at his house. Cut seven. Chris Wallace, Fox News Sunday, and Jay Johnson. Go. Let's look, because you mentioned it, at how the Obama administration and you as Secretary of Homeland Security handled this back in 2014 when there was also a spike in children, most of them unaccompanied, coming across the border. Uh, You started jailing entire families. In some cases, not a lot, but in some, you separated children from their parents. And these pictures that we're putting up from 2014 show pictures of unaccompanied minors in in effect, jail situations. Uh, as you look back on that, did you handle it so well? Well, Chris, without a doubt, the images and the reality from 2014, just like 2018, are not pretty. And so we expanded family detention. We had then 34,000 beds for family detention, only 95 of 34,000 equipped to deal with families. So we expanded it. I freely admit it was controversial. We believed it was necessary at the time. I still believe it is necessary to maintain a certain capability for families. We can't have catch and release. And in my three years, we deported or repatriated or returned over a million people. But again, you can deal with this on the border. You can try different things. We did not want to go so far as separate families, but unless we deal with the underlying causes that are motivating people to come here in the first place, we're going to continue to bang our heads against the wall on this issue. So the Obama administration, in the name of Jay Johnson, who was in charge of this policy, had for all intents and purposes the same exact policy. Now what you'll hear from the media and the left, the left and the media, the media and the left, is that the difference is under Trump, we have zero tolerance. So under Trump, I guess we had quasi-concentration camps, quasi-internment camps, excuse me, under Obama. So Obama was a quasi-Hitler, is that it? Did you ever hear Obama called Hitler? Did you ever hear any of Obama's people called racists? Did you ever hear the media go out and attack that administration, demanding to see the detention centers? No, you didn't. They all existed. They didn't just happen under Trump. They all existed. Kudos to Chris Wallace for pinning this down. And when Trump says, look, Congress needs to pass a law, I got here and this is the law, he's not kidding, is he? Can't have catch and release, says Jay Johnson. Yet that's exactly what the Democrats want today. Catch and release. Catch and release. Utter and complete lawlessness. The problem is, ladies and gentlemen, is the way this is discussed by these people in Washington, D.C. and in the media who have these These positions, whether they be politicians or members of the media. And often they operate as hand in glove. Bob Corker is an outgoing Republican senator from Tennessee. Bob Corker has done some very, very horrible things to this country, including the Iran deal. Oh, he voted against it, but he set up the statutory process for it and he knew it. To me, Bob Corker has been a disaster. 
But he, like other Republicans who choose not to run again, Flake, oft times Trey Gowdy and so forth, they are desperate to ingratiate themselves with the progressive media. So here's Bob Corker on Face the Nation yesterday. Cut eight, go. I want to ask you about really kind of an American values question. Uh, If you take a look at the latest CBS News poll, our battleground tracker, it says 73 percent of Republicans say those who enter the U.S. should be punished as an example of toughness, while 27 percent said they should be treated well as an example of kindness. What does that say to you about the identity of your party right now? Now, let's stop. What does it say about the identity of your party right now when 73% of Republicans say somebody who comes here legally should be punished? Under current law, it's a misdemeanor. If you come twice, the second time and beyond, it's a felony. That's federal law. That's federal law. Bob Corker is a senator. It's the Senate and the House that make the laws and the president who signs it. This is exactly what Trump's talking about. You don't like it, fix it. But she throws that out there knowing that Corker will essentially attack his own party as racist. Watch this. Go ahead. Margaret, look, I... uh... Uh, we do need to be a nation of laws, and we need to, to get this right, and we need to cause legal immigration uh, to be easier than it is. We've got needs in our country. I've just never been a part of a group that hated someone uh, for wishing something better for their life. Uh, do, you, do you folks hate somebody for coming here illegally? I don't hate them. Do you? These words that they throw around, these terms that they throw around, are so vicious and so deceitful and dishonest. It's just incredible. So 73% of the Republicans who want people who come here illegally to be punished, there's something wrong with them. Or as Joe Scarborough would say, they're racists. Anyone who voted for Trump. These are the same people who pretend to be moderates. These are the same people who pretend that Donald Trump's language is way out of control. These are the same people who pretend to be bipartisan. They are vicious, hateful people who despise a big chunk of the American people. They've always despised the Tea Party. They've always despised the Trump voters. They've always despised conservatives. Go ahead. Maybe they have a little different color of their skin and they speak differently. I just color of their skin and speak differently. People want the law that your body passed, enforced. People who speak differently in different color of skin, what does that have to do with anything? Anything. If you're talking about people coming in here from MS-13 and drug cartels, people coming in here who, uh, who kidnap little kids to get in here, has anybody talked about their race? They've talked about their deeds and who they are. And yet Corker plays right along because he wants to be a different kind of Republican. Go ahead. 
never hated someone who traveled uh, through tough conditions to try to come to a place where they could realize their dreams. And so I'm just not part of that group that uh, wants to punish. What I do want to do but, is but make sure But the majority sure of have, Republicans yeah. polled identify as yeah. part of that group. Yeah, I understand, and uh, I think it's a shame that what we've done with immigrants is to try to cause them to be a part of a terrorist group. What? What? We've tried to cause immigrants to be part of a terrorist group? Who is, who are the, uh, we, we have tried to cause immigrants to be part of a terrorist group? What in the world is he talking about? Go ahead. Many of these people truly, especially in Central America, are living in, in terrible conditions. Well, you know what? Then I guess we should open our borders. Syrians? Yemenis? Who else? All over the world. This is not a serious man. This is not a serious person. And neither is anybody else who talks this way. So now you see the 73% of Americans, excuse me, Republicans, they look at people because of their color. And what's interesting is it's the left that keeps bringing up race. It's the left that keeps bringing up pigmentation. Bob Corker will not be anywhere in America's history books except a little footnote to one of those rare history books that tells the truth about the Iran deal. But he has been a, a horrific United States senator and he plans to go out being a horrific human being. Just look at how he talks about you. This isn't you. You're not who he describes absolutely disgusting he would never say this about Jay Johnson who is a black man he would never accuse Jay Johnson of looking at these people because of their race he would never accuse Jay Johnson of trying to stop these people despite being as poor as they are and yet Jay Johnson just said on Sunday that they had to detain people at some t- sometimes as a family unit, other times had to divide the children from the, from the parents. I don't remember Bob Corker ever mentioning this prior to three weeks, two, two, three weeks ago. Does anybody else? No, most of them haven't. Because they were just fine with those Nazi concentration camps and Japanese internment camps. And you know what's amazing, folks? He's a senator. Laura Bush was married to a president of the United States. Michelle Obama was married to a president of the United States. All these senators and congressmen going on TV, going on and on and on. Where the hell were they? Where were they? You and I effectively have no control over this, yet they trash us. Our current president, he wasn't involved in setting up this system, yet they trash him. Joe Scarborough was a member of the House of Representatives. What did he do about it? Nothing whatsoever. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
he's a dictator. That's what they say. He's a dictator. How's he dictating? What exactly has Donald Trump done that even suggests he's a dictator? Was there a court decision that he rejected? Even though doing so would not be a dictator under our Constitution, but I'm just curious. Is there a court decision that he rejected? His eliminating regulations, he's just eliminating what Obama created. Well, how can that possibly be dictatorship? And Hitler? Really? The rounding up people and putting them in concentration camps where they are quickly destroyed, where they're put in ovens or shot in mass graves? What are they talking about? This is, uh, we have media, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Today's media and today's politicians, they're the worst demagogues, certainly in modern American history. They are the worst demagogues in modern American history. They talk about Trump lying. They lie endlessly. Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski, Jake Tapper, all the rest of them, all the rest of them virtually lie, fabricate endlessly. I'll be right back. With the daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Principled Patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Over the weekend, we were told that Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas, who's been a public person for decades, we were told he was a racist, including by the likes of Bill Crystal, among others, because he posted a photo of MS-13 and I think, it's my recollection, that he talked about it being part of the Nancy Pelosi campaign or something to that effect. We were also told that Dave Bossie, the deputy campaign chief to the Trump campaign, somebody I've known for maybe 30 years, give or take, that he's a racist because of a phrase he used, which had been a fairly common phrase. I, I Googled it myself. I was unaware of its origins. But he's not a racist. He said something. That, peop- that offended some people, and yet now he's supposedly a racist. 
So Huckabee's a racist. Trump's a racist. Bossy's a racist. And of course, there's Stephen Miller. They call him an immigration hardliner because he wants to enforce existing immigration law. It's like being a right-winger because you believe in liberty and private property rights and the Bill of Rights. You must be a right-winger. We allow the, the progressives to use this propaganda to trash us, and it's shameless. They are shameless. And Joe Scarborough the other day called all of you, may have been this morning, racists. Anybody who votes for Donald Trump or voted for Donald Trump as a racist, something to that effect. Now, this piece of crap doesn't know any of us. This piece of crap will do anything for a dollar. This piece of crap was a congressman for six years from the panhandle of Florida. Does anybody know if he did anything about the separation of parents from children? Does anybody know if he ever gave a floor speech on it? And so I guess what Scarborough is saying is people in his former district who voted for him and voted for Trump, in fact, they were racist. So what does that make Scarborough? Hitler? By the way, Barack Obama, as I said, had these detention centers. His former secretary, DHS, said, yes, they had to separate parents from kids. But nobody calls Obama Hitler. Or Jay Johnson Hitler. Nobody calls those detention centers, which were there and are there, concentration camps, internment centers, nothing. And the reason is, this entire debate is a fraud. This entire debate is a fraud. If any of these, let me ask you this. Was the New York Times around when children were being separated from their parents under Clinton and George W. Bush and Barack Obama? Yes. Was the Washington Post around when that occurred? Yes. Was CBS and NBC and ABC around when that occurred? Yes. Was NBC around? Well, during part of it, it was. How about CNN? Yes, during much of it. Well, why didn't they focus on it for a couple of days? Why didn't they do anything about it? They did nothing. Does that mean all their hosts are Hitler or Eva Braun? They ignored Nazi concentration camps and ignored Japanese internment camps? Well, what else are we supposed to make of this? How about the judge in the Ninth Circuit who ruled that you cannot detain these children longer than 20 days, resulting in the, in the splitting of children from parents? Is the judge Hitler? Why the terms for Trump? Why the trashing of his Homeland Security Secretary? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the media in our country are not about news. They're not about facts. They're not about knowledge. Bob Corker and his ilk, these are, uh, these are very, very weak men, very, very weak people who seek to ingratiate themselves with the media at the expense of the country. And we go back to Daniel Borston's book, The Image, don't we? A Guide to Pseudo-Events in America. 
back to pseudo events in America. When it happens under Trump, takes office, 18 months he's here, he's Hitler. When it happens under Obama, silence. Under George W. Bush, silence. Under Bill Clinton, silence. But the media, if these are Third Reich-type concentration camps and Japanese internment camps, thank you, Democrats, thank you, FDR, for that dark uh, mark on our history, then the media are at least in part responsible because aren't the media supposed to report these things? I've told you before about the New York Times. During the height of the Holocaust, the New York Times did everything it could to conceal the existence of the Holocaust. Talk about the original Holocaust deniers. Even though the paper was owned by a Jewish family and had been for decades, they did everything they could to push the Holocaust to the back pages of the newspaper. Now, how do we know this? Because a few decades ago, they had somebody do a review of, of their reporting during the World War II and during the Holocaust, and this is what they said about themselves. The New York Times. And so the New York Times now can sit in judgment of Donald Trump. The New York Times is the paper of record. Just a matter of, of logic, a matter of reasoning. If CNN didn't report these concentration camps before, if CNN didn't report these, these internment camps before, why are they reporting them now? Why are they so grave now? Why are they so inhumane now? Why are they Hitler-esque now? Same with MSNBC. MSNBC is the bastard child of NBC. If you can't make it on NBC, you'll wind up in MSNBC. Or... If you're a plagiarist, a liar, a sexual harasser, you eventually get back at MSNBC. But in any event, my point is this. If, in fact, these situations or this situation is so dire, why didn't they report on it? Is it not a fair question? Of course it's a fair question. Nancy Pelosi's been in the House of Representatives for decades. She never said a thing. Chuck Schumer was in the House, now he's in the Senate. For decades, never said a thing. These are institutions, these Washington institutions that Trump is fighting. They're responsible for what took place 30 years before, 20 years before. So he comes in and his attorney general uh, comes in and they say, we're going to enforce this. You come in here, you come in here illegally, then you claim asylum. We're going to have to separate you from your kid after 20 days because that's the court ruling. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 no. Why not? Obama did. Well, he didn't do it the same way. He didn't do it on the same dates. He did. They, they weren't looking at it this way. They were looking at it that way. Uh, so much for their morality. So much for their consistency. But Obama didn't have zero tolerance. He had like 50% tolerance. Oh, so we had 50% concentration camps. So is it all right to call Obama a 50% Hitler? Of course not. And how is it that Jay Johnson escaped protests when he was at Mexican restaurants? How is it that nobody knows where he lives? This is a war 
on the civil society. This is a war on the rule of law. You know, now Homeland Security is having to warn its uh, employees to be careful out there. Don't wear any insignia that identifies you as part of a law enforcement wing of DHS. Now, we've been here before. Just a few years ago, uh, when our police officers were being slain two, three, four, ten at a time. When the same leftists in politics and in the media were trashing the cops. Now they're trashing ICE and DHS. Attacking law and order. Because in order to bring us to the promised land, ladies and gentlemen, in order to impose on us this utopian type of of country, this paradise, you must destroy that which is. And by the way, as I have argued and I will argue, progressivism is a pseudo-ideology. That's why when a government exercises it as aggressively as the uh, communists do and the Marxists and so forth, it destroys human beings. It starves human beings. It creates darkness, bleakness, you name it. It rejects history. It rejects experience. It is a pseudo-ideology. And the, the fact is here, when you go back to basics, the entire point of immigration is to improve the country and at the will and behest of the American people, the citizenry. The progressive left has turned it upside down. You, the citizen, you're a racist. You, the citizen, you're like Hitler. This guy, douche, whatever his name is, on MSLSD, on the morning schmo show. Every one of you is like a Nazi guard. Every single one of you. Whatever happened. Oh, oh, um, oh, and by the way, the defense is, well, look, Trump has been nasty, and Trump tweets out, and Trump does this, and Trump does that. Really? So you're going to call people Hitler, including 60 or 70 million American people? You're going to call us Hitler? You're going to say we have concentration camps and internment camps? First Lady Laura Bush sinks to that level? Bob Corker? I'm sorry, these people disgust me. They either are quiet all during the Obama administration or their buddies with Bill Clinton when we had these quote-unquote concentration camps and internment camps and separating children from adults. I understand the election of Donald Trump has upset these people. I understand it. I really do. Some of the nastiest people attacking Donald Trump served in George W. Bush's administration. One of the clowns was on MSNBC the other day. Maybe it was today, attacking uh, Sarah Sanders. Well, you know, if you're going to lie constantly to the American people, doesn't society have a right to react? Society? I believe it was a restaurant. And she's not lying to the American people. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I wanted to let all the fans of Levin TV out there know about a special offer we have going on right now. We wanted to make it a little bit easier for all of our subscribers and our biggest fans to get the best pricing possible on Levin TV and the rest of the CRTV network. So here's what we did. We came up with our best offer yet. Now you can get a three-year subscription to CRTV, only $199. You know what that amounts to? $5.53 a month. That's less than a Big Mac combo. I happen to know that, by the way. Now, if you've been a fan of Levin TV for a while now, you know we're in this for the long haul, and we hope you will be too. There's no other place online where you'll get the truth unfiltered and uncensored. Give us a call right now at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV, and mention this ad to get your three years of CRTV for only the equivalent of $5.53 a month. Set up as quick, it's easy, and you'll be ready to watch in five minutes. Give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, and we'll get you set up. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. And you'll not only get my show, you'll get the whole network. It's like a dozen great shows. Phil Robertson, Steve Crowder, Michelle Malkin, Steve Deese, uh, Andrew Wilkow, so many others. Now, uh, there's a fellow by the name of Beto O'Rourke, and he's running for the Senate in Texas. The guy is a whack job. He's an absolute whack job, old Beto. Uh, but uh, the Democrats are really hoping he wins because they're trying to take out Ted Cruz. Now, I want you to listen to this. Cut 16, Mr. Producer. Here he is at a town hall yesterday about the Jerusalem embassy, the move from the uh, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Cut 16, go. This policy on the part of the president, this decision he made to, to move the embassy was absolutely um, unnecessarily provocative. And everyone uh, who knows anything about the Middle East, who knows about the status of Jerusalem and East Jerusalem, um, the status of negotiations between the Palestinian Authority and the State of Israel, knew that there were going to be those who would suffer as a result, as they predictably have. And to what end and what did we gain in the process? If we were looking for peace, did this move secure peace? Um, we have an opportunity as the best friend to the state of Israel. We, we send that country uh, more than $4 billion annual, more than we send any other country on the face of the planet. The Palestinian... Uh, not true. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran got a lot more. We agreed to a deal. Now, it wasn't just our money that gave them $150 billion. But Beto doesn't care about that. Go ahead. We are another really good friend of the Palestinian Authority. We provide the humanitarian assistance and aid in far greater proportion, I believe, than does almost any other country on the face of the planet. Sometimes being a friend means helping your friends to make tough, politically inconvenient decisions, to help the state of Israel ensure that it does not continue to expand settlements in the West Bank that make it harder for there to be an independent Palestinian state, to help the Palestinians negotiate in good faith without provocation, without incitement to violence, while they recognize the right of Israel to exist. And for all of us to understand that if we want the state of Israel to continue to be a democracy, at the same time that is the homeland of the Jewish people, there must be a two-state solution. Failing that, Israel cannot be both of those things. So he's John Kerry Light. So in other words, Israel cannot be free and democratic 
without a two-state solution. And moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem was provocative and cost lives. I hope the people at Texas are listening because moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem has been United States statutory policy since the mid-1990s and this president finally did not sign a waiver preventing it. It didn't cause any violence. It didn't cause the loss of any lives. This fool is confusing what Hamas did in Gaza with the movement of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, I went to that event, and I didn't see Beto O'Rourke. I didn't see Beto O'Rourke at the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. I did see Ted Cruz. Where was Beto O'Rourke? See, what's happened, ladies and gentlemen, is the Democrat Party, while they throw around that you're a racist and you must be Hitler and so forth and so on, which is really disgusting, the Democrat Party is the party of the radical left. You did not hear a single criticism of Hamas. You did not hear a single criticism of the Palestinian Authority. You did not hear a single criticism of them paying terrorists when they killed Jews or Christians or, or Druze. You didn't hear a single word about it. Not one. Beto O'Rourke. Let's hope we do Beto O'Rourke and he loses. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. When you look at our history, there was a party that was very prominent in promoting slavery, the Democrat Party. There was a party very prominent in promoting segregation, the Democrat Party, and Jim Crow laws, the Democrat Party. Republicans opposed every one of those inhumane practices. Everyone. Now, 
when it comes to separating adults from children? Which was the party that began separating adults from children relative to illegal aliens in asylum? It was the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party. Today, which is the party that opens its arms to violent elements like Antifa? It's the Democrat Party. Which is the party that embraces the Palestinian Authority, which is a terrorist organization? That's what it is. You fund terrorism, you're a terrorist organization. It's the Democrat Party. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Which is the party that backed transferring $150 billion to an Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran? The Democrat Party. Which is the party that bent over backwards to build quote-unquote relations with the mass killers, the Castro brothers? It was the Democrat Party. Which is the party that basically surrendered to ISIS? And all the hidden humanity that ISIS created, the Democrat Party. Which is the party that said it wouldn't tolerate the Syrians gassing their own people, but tolerated it? The Democrat Party. And yet, they have the gall, these Democrat politicians, to go on TV and to trash this president, who undid the Iran deal. To trash this president who rejects the terrorism of Iran. Who rejects the terrorism of the Palestinian Authority and Hamas. Who rejects the attacks on our police officers and federal law enforcement. Who stands for the American citizen, not the would-be illegal immigrant. Which is the party of violence? Is it the Republican Party? When has the Republican Party been violent? The 1960s riots, remember those? Some of us are old enough to remember. Well, you go to parts of various cities in this country if they haven't been rebuilt. You can still see burnout neighborhoods. Which was the party of Bull Connor and Orville Faubus? And George Wallace. Which one? And they sit there and call you and me racists. We won't even join their party. We want nothing to do with their party. This is how they twist history. But don't worry. They have massively increased government. They've created programs. Massive debt. Redistribute wealth. And they say, hey. We're the party for the people. No, you're the party for government. Big government. Which was the party that put Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent in real, honest-to-God internment camps in the interior of this country, moving them off the West Coast, among other places, as well as some Germans and Italians? Which was the party? It was the Democrat Party. It was Franklin Roosevelt, who they revere. 
What was the court that upheld this in the Karamatsu decision? It was a court packed by FDR with like-minded autocrats. And we have to hear that Donald Trump is like a dictator? Donald Trump's nothing close to a dictator. There's not a court order he hasn't complied with. And there are court orders, in my view, under the Constitution, not required to comply with. What executive order has he issued exactly that didn't counter an Obama executive order? What executive order did he issue that demonstrates his proclivity for dictatorship, unlike Obama, of course? And, of course, they tell us that Donald Trump is a danger to freedom of the press. How so? What has he done to freedom of the press? The pseudo-press, the pseudo-media has done damage to freedom of the press. Trump just calls them out, and they hate it. He fights back. They can't stand it. They go after his family members. They go after his staff. If the press secretary to Barack Obama had been treated in any respect like Sarah Sanders, old bulbous nose, Mr. Deliverance, Scarborough would be flipping out. And so we have to put up with this. All right, let's move on. I'll take your calls on this, but I want to get on to some other things. You know, Sunday's show, I guess that would be yesterday. Yesterday's 10 p.m. Eastern Time show of Life, Liberty, and Levin tackled this issue of trade. And on my own social sites, people were saying, I'm never watching your show again. I used to like your show, but your position on trade is this. I thought to myself, then don't watch it. This is for people who want to think about these subjects, not necessarily agree with me or my guest on everything. You're not going to. You don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But if you want to learn something, even if you want to disagree with it, you might want to watch it. And I'm convinced that less and less Americans support capitalism. I'm convinced that less and less Americans support trade and commerce. That more and more Americans are illiterate on these issues, or they just buy the bumper sticker arguments. But we need fair trade. There's no such thing as fair trade. Sometimes... We get the brunt of the deal. Sometimes we get the better of the deal. There are countries we've put tariffs on who don't put tariffs on us or smaller tariffs on us and vice versa. But we spent a lot of time talking about this on Sunday. But what gets me is have people say, well, I, I, this, this is it. I'm never watching that show again. I'm going, Excuse me? Then don't. Nobody's holding a pistol to your head. We're going to have different guests getting deeply into different issues. But I will contend, and I'll contend to the day I die, that I'm the one who's standing up for blue-collar workers. I'm the one who's standing up for union and non-union workers. I'm the one who's standing up for the American consumer. Not the protectionists. Not the tariff kings and queens. Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson. You know, it's ironic 
that one of the rare times Ronald Reagan put quotas in place was to protect, he argued, Harley-Davidson from unfair competition. You know what's happening to Harley-Davidson now that the price of steel is going through the roof? They're getting hit in two directions. Harley-Davidson's been growing sales in Europe. They love the Harley-Davidson motorcycle, and they've really caught on over there. It's, it's, it's the Harley-Davidson's company's biggest growth area, Europe. And it's really an American sort of iconic motorcycle. When these guys are driving by, y'all, don't you always look to see whether they're driving an Indian or a Harley-Davidson or a Yamaha or whatever it is? You always look, right? Well, for two reasons now, Harley-Davidson is going to move some of its manufacturing overseas. As reported by Fox, they are now facing up to $100 million in additional costs on a full-year basis as a result of two things. The increase on tariffs on steel and aluminum put in place by our president and the European Union's response. There's a 6% tariff on a Harley-Davidson, which is de minimis. They're throwing a 25% on it, so now they have a 31% tariff that increases the price of the motorcycle by over $2,000. By over $2,000. So European consumers will buy fewer and fewer Harley-Davidsons, and Harley-Davidson's prices, in addition to that tax, are going up because the price of steel has gone up 40% in the country. The people who make Harley-Davidson's are hard-working Americans. Blue-collar, assembly-line, hard-working Americans. And this is just the beginning. The tariffs and the steel prices have driven up the cost by $2,200 per average motorcycle exported from the United States to the European Union. And so the company has said, look, we have to address this. So we're going to increase production in our international plants. That way we get around the high cost of steel now in the United States, and we get around the tax or the tariff imposed on us by the European Union. The company said increasing international production to alleviate the EU tariff burden is not the company's preference, but represents the only sustainable option to make its motorcycles accessible to customers in the EU and maintain a viable business in Europe. This is predictable. It's absolutely predictable. Absolutely predictable. You don't have to listen to me. You can shut off my TV show. That's not going to change reality. That's what liberals do. You know what? I don't like that idea. So, head in the sand. You should join me in a popular uprising against this. You should stand with me. I don't buy motorcycles. And if I wanted one, if they added $10,000 to it, I can afford it. But most people can't. And those are hardworking Americans who are working on those assembly lines. And those are hardworking mechanics. And those are hardworking Americans who ride the Harley-Davidson motorcycle. And we're seeing this now in more and more industries. This is a bad idea. Forget about China. You know I'll talk about them separately. China is a national security issue. And I have no problem with it when it comes to China. I'm not talking about China. 
When you drive up the cost of steel and aluminum, you hurt our manufacturers. You may not hurt certain specific steel manufacturers and aluminum manufacturers. They benefit. But everybody downstream, everybody downstream is punished because the price of production goes up. And the cost of the product goes up. And less and less of them are going to be purchased. It is myopic. It is short-sighted. And these other countries aren't going to stand still. Have you seen the ads on Fox by different farming associations? They are scared to death of what's going on. You start slamming them with a 50% tariff overseas and so forth. Our farmers in this country rely on exports, exporting food. Because we produce more than we consume, and most other countries don't. So these other countries are going to raise taxes on what we sell them, which raises the cost for their own consumers, by the way. It's insane. We place 12,000 tariffs on goods coming into this country. That is taxes. Our Congress puts on goods coming into this country that drives up your costs. They slip this language into these, these bills. They don't do it because they care about trade deficits and all. They do it because the sugar lobbies in Florida or the mushroom lobbies in Pennsylvania or you name it. The almond lobby is in California. All of those have tariffs, by the way. Now, I'm just asking you to think for yourself. Even if you turn me off, think for yourself. Think it out logically. I want fair trade. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Does that mean we have to pay our workers exactly the same amount as foreign workers are paid? Or they have to pay their workers exactly the same amount? Does that mean that we have to have a different kind of internal tax system that matches whatever Canada's internal tax system is? What does all that mean? Well, our dairy, you know, they hit it with 270% tariff. Canada has less tariffs on our products than we have on their products. But I guess you didn't hear that because you probably turned me off. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. through, folks. We're going to talk about a lot of issues tonight. That's just one of them that I wanted to bring up. I knew when I discussed tariffs last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, a lot of people would be upset. There's nothing to be upset about. Those of you who want tariffs, those of you who support protectionism, you're winning. You're getting them. Now go in and buy a Toyota. Go ahead. And the price of American cars are going up, too, because the price of steel is going up. And all you hear is we got to protect our manufacturing base. The way you protect your manufacturing base is through competition. When they, when they uh, compete with domestic and foreign competition through increasing their technology. Well, so-and-so has tariffs. We've already talked about this. Seventy percent of the steel that's used in this country is produced domestically. 
70% of something that's produced in this country doesn't need protection. Similar with aluminum. This has been a lie that's been talked about for 40 years. What about the Chinese dumping? We get 5% of our steel from the Chinese. And I detest that government. 5%. And you're going to start seeing housing prices go up because we've slammed lumber with tariffs. They come in from Canada. Now, what's a tariff? A tariff is a tax that you pay. The foreigners don't pay it. Their government doesn't pay it. Your government doesn't pay it. As a matter of fact, where do you think that money goes? A tariff is a tax on you. We're going to put 25% tariff on so-and-so products coming into the country. That is a 25% tax put on you. And where does that money go? Does it go to, uh, to the employees of some company? Does it go to some industry? No. That tax goes to the federal treasury, of all things. So when you pay a couple thousand more for a Harley-Davidson, because they have to pay a higher tax on steel, that goes to the federal government. I'll be right back. The Great One is on the air at 877-381-3811. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it's the summer blowout sale for Chamonix. Right now, when you order Genesel, you'll get the new Genesel eyelid lift for droopy, saggy eyelids free. And for the first time ever, you'll also get the world-famous Crystallis Microdermabrasion also free. That's true. Yes, the best sale of the year just got better. Here's Claire from Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been using your products for three days. My husband already noticed the texture of my skin. It's looking so good. It feels nice and smooth with lots of moisture. The bags under my eyes are minimal now. So far, so good. You know, it has immediate effects included as a wonderful product. And you'll see results in 12 hours guaranteed in your money back. And I want you to hear that. Results in 12 hours, guaranteed, or your money back. So you have no risk, really. Call 800-SKIN-604 or visit Genesel.com. Experience the power of looking and feeling your best every morning. Order today and say goodbye to bags and puffiness tomorrow. They'll prove it to you with their guarantee. And right now, express shipping is also free. So call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. That's what my buddy Teddy did. And Teddy is a top cardiologist. I'm not kidding. I saw a jar of this on his uh, dining room table once. And I said, you use Genesel? He said, absolutely, I love it. That's 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or visit Genesel.com, Genesel.com. That's 800-SKIN-604. Let us go to Andrew, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go! Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I was calling in to uh, discuss what you're talking about with tariffs. Um, it really is unfortunate that so many people have fallen into the trap of thinking that tariffs are somehow beneficial to our economy, when in reality they're quite the opposite. They just put money into the coffers of the government. And 
you people know, need to understand it as a massive sales tax. It is a massive VAT tax. It is a tax at every level. So if you're buying steel, you now have a 25% tax on top of it. If you're buying something that's made of steel, that 25% might be 35 40%, depending on how it works its way through the economic system. Uh, it'll drive up the cost of your car, domestic or foreign. It'll drive up the cost of your television, your uh, kitchen appliances, your uh, washing machines and dryers and homes and all the rest of it. And we're being told we're, being, we're doing this because of unfair trade. But you're taxing the consumer through the wazoo. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, also not very good for our relations with our allies. Uh, as we're seeing right now, a trade war is beginning, you know, at this very moment. I don't know if you saw the markets today, but they all dropped in the U.S. Nine days in a row. Nine days in a row, yeah. And people might say, what's the big deal? Well, most people have a pension plan, a 401k, an IRA, uh, some kind of mutual fund. That's the problem. Yeah, everybody's invested in the stock market in one way or another. Um, and so when you see when you see it, like the government, like Donald Trump, pushing for tariffs, you know, I, I get that he's a president, and we want to back him as a party, but that doesn't mean that everything that he supports or says is 100% correct. Right, and that's when we get attacked. And so I'm not listening to him, I, I can't help that. Exactly. I can, I, there's nothing I can do about that. Fact of the matter is, these are Bernie Sanders trade trade policies. These are the Bernie Sanders trade policies. These are the old policies of the hard left. And uh, I'm not going to swing in that direction. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, when we're dealing with China, that's different. It's a national security issue. I do not think they should be able to buy our technological companies. They steal Absolutely. our technology. I've done shows on this on this show. I've done shows on this on my Fox show. I've done shows about this on Levin TV. I've talked about it repeatedly. China's not Canada. China's not uh, uh, Japan, and so forth and so on. China is a problem. Yes, sir, I absolutely agree. And it's like, we, we do need to maintain good relations with our allies. They're not the enemy. China, I can see that. But Well, I, I, the only slight d- nuance here is they need to maintain good relations with us, too. Absolutely. And I view that I view this as more of an economic matter. I, I don't believe we should punish the American people uh, for the stupid decisions other countries make in punishing their own people. That's right. It's when like, they put tariffs in place, they raise taxes on their own people and they limit their choices. And to say, you know what, that's not fair. We're going to get even and tax our people and limit their choices. That doesn't make any sense for most of us. All right, right, my friend, I appreciate it. Marcus! Washington, D.C., the great W-M-A-L. Go. Hey, wow. Uh, it's, it's nice to talk to you. I've never got the privilege. Thank you, sir. But, well, hey, you know, you're talking I, to a member I, of the – uh, go ahead. I DVR your Sunday night show every week, and you've had the best guests every week. And uh, I'm, I'm so in, you know, informed since I read your books. You know, uh, you've taught me a lot. And – I've been sold, just probably like the rest of America, with uh, Trump's talking points on these tariffs. And it was all explained to me last night. It's just a tax. And we're getting hit with it. The consumer's paying the tax. That's correct. And I thank you for 
I think I think people are confused. They think that we're taxing somebody else. No, you're getting whacked. And when somebody says they're raising tariffs 25 percent, that is a sales tax of federal sales tax of 25 percent. That's a that's American icon. That's so sad. Yeah. All right, Marcus. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you, sir. Some people think when I discuss these issues, I'm attacking Trump. I'm not attacking Trump. I'm disagreeing with Trump. Nobody is more fervent in defending this president when it comes to efforts to remove him from office, these palace coups, these uh, coup d'etats, this uh, special counsel and all the rest of it, than I. And nobody's more fervent uh, when he promotes the cause of liberty and constitutionalism and national security and so forth and so on. I disagree with him on this. It used to be that most conservatives did. It used to be that most talk shows did. But most of them keep their mouth shut. Like most of them didn't talk about Harley Davidson today. I don't know that. I'm guessing. But if they did, they probably made excuses. Harley Davidson, if they could buy, you know, if they could make more in this country, they'd do it tomorrow. When you drive up the cost of the main material that they use, steel, and the second main material that they use, aluminum, that becomes prohibitive. And on top of that, then they have to deal with, uh, with, a, with, with a response from the European Union, making it more and more difficult to sell their product into Europe. They're getting whacked at both ends. So what's their answer? You know what? We're going to ramp up production in Europe. That way we don't have to deal with the, the, uh, the tax, the so-called tariff on steel in our own country. And we don't have to deal with the uh, tariff in Europe because we're building in Europe. And so what did we just do? The administration just pushed jobs outside the country and manufacturing outside the country. I don't want to hear anymore. What are we going to do with our manufacturing base? The way you strengthen our economy, manufacturing, retail, online, is to embrace capitalism. It really does work. It's amazing. It really works. Lou, Lake Worth, Florida, on Sirius Satellite. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, basically, my thought is that we should start to discuss immigration in a way that the uh, the left and Democrats would not only understand, but also uh, not be able to refute. And that is to compare immigration to women's rights. Because after all, when women have the right to choose, they are restricting entry into this country of, uh, of people, right? So, so when you think about all the reasons, whether it's economics or health, uh, uh, you know, things like that, um, they, they have the right to choose. Uh, they would, if you compare using contraception to uh, building... Okay, got the point. Now, what's the other one? What are you comparing it to? Well, I'm, I'm comparing it to uh, the uh, immigration itself, to... To, to, well, what you told the call screener is a woman has a right to choose, a country has a right to choose. That's right, because as a country, we should have the right to choose. And, and you under- think that the liberal Democrats are going to say, wow, good point, we reverse course. I don't think they're going to reverse course on, uh, <laughs> on abortion. They're not reversing course on anything. First of all, the Republicans in Congress give them pretty much what they want. The media defend everything they do. This isn't even about logic and reason. This is about brute force and power. And that's what the Democrats are about. I've been going on now. It's almost two weeks we've been talking about this separation issue. Maybe it's 10 days, whatever it is. 
And I've been making the point, nobody demands that the Democrats provide their solution because their solution is one that's unacceptable to most Americans. You come into this country illegally, you purposely go around the legal ports of entry, you bring a kid with you, whether it's your kid or somebody else's kid, and the Democrats say, freedom. Release them into America. That's their position. You must force them to state their position. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Folks, we don't have free trade. We have either freer trade or less free trade. We don't have free trade. Oh, the free traders. We don't have free trade. We either have freer trade or less free trade. You either keep more of your money or the government gets more of your money. You either have more choices in terms of products and material and so forth, or you have less choices. If you're concerned about the manufacturing base, the worst way to go around it is to massively increase taxes, to try and control the economy, to try and control supply and demand and so forth and so on. That doesn't help anybody, including those industries that people claim they want to protect. These are special interests that go to Washington to be subsidized. I'll give you a quick example. We've talked about this. You have a 25% increase on tariffs on steel, right? Foreign steel. What's to prevent the steel companies from raising their price by 24%? Nothing. It's a windfall. And many of you are cheering it. It's a massive sales tax. Now, you don't typically go out and buy a chunk of steel, but you go out and buy something as an end product that used a chunk of steel. And you're being told you must pay a bigger price for the good of the community. What community? Well, the steel companies. Well, what other companies should we subsidize? The oil companies? I don't believe in subsidizing them either. How is it that the steel companies get away with this, but the oil companies we're supposed to hate? You know, is there any place that teaches young adults to seek what is true, beautiful, and good? To even understand what those things mean? How about understanding the principle that all men are created equal? Or why America is the world's freest nation? You know, there is a place where students study these things. Hillsdale College. And by putting in the work to understand essential truths, students graduate ready to lead in any field of their choosing. As Vice President Pence said at commencement this year, Hillsdale students learn not what to do, but what to be. Hillsdale also offers its stellar education to you, too, through the free monthly subscription to Imprimus and in free online courses like Constitution 101. The fact is, every American can learn like a Hillsdale student from the same professors. Most remarkably of all, Hillsdale provides this service to our nation without taking a single penny of taxpayer money, not one penny. I encourage you, strongly, to learn how Hillsdale can serve you at a website just for you, my beloved audience. LevinforHillsdale.com, LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Let's just think of it rationally a second. And we'll move on next hour. There's a bunch of other stuff I want to get into. You can talk about this too. We're going to punish another country 
by raising taxes on us. Now think about that. We're going to punish another country by raising taxes on the American citizen. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? It makes no sense to me. None. And you might think we're the ones always on defense. It's not true. We have a massive sugar. I'm just giving a tariff. That's on us. We've got thousands of tariffs that we've put in place. That's not free trade. That's not even freer trade. That's not fair trade. That's protectionism. Where we try and micromanage industries. And really most of these politicians do it. Surprise, surprise. For their political benefit. You got a guy running in the Republican primary in Florida. Running around saying he's the conservative. He's receiving an enormous amount of money. From the sugar industry in Florida. And their surrogates. He was the. Or is the secretary of agriculture there. It's almost as if he ran for office when he was 22, this guy Putnam. Ran for office when he was 22, got elected to the state legislature. As soon as he could, he ran for the House of Representatives, federal. He got elected there. Then he decided after about 10 years, let me leave that, run for Secretary of Agriculture as a stepping stone to be governor because I can raise a crap load of money. That's what he did. He's done, and he's raised a ton of money running ad and ad and ad after DeSantis, who I've endorsed, who's a conservative. And he calls DeSantis, he's a Washington insider. Now, DeSantis served his country in Iraq, a Marine. Also served at Guantanamo. He's definitely not your career politician, even though he's a successful politician, has done many wonderful things. He's not raising money from the sugar industry. My point is, politics plays a huge role when government gets involved in these economic decisions. Let me ask you another question. How is it that Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of Commerce, is worth $2.3 billion, mostly by buying these companies that we're told are unsustainable, steel companies, other companies? How did he make $2.3 billion? Well, in part, as a crony capitalist, in my humble opinion. Subsidies, tariffs, constantly hiring lobbyists, pressing the case, pressing the case. Congress needs to do this. Congress needs to do that. They claim they're looking out for the steel worker. You know what? I'm looking out for all workers. All workers. I'm not against anyone. I'm for everyone. But there's no reason somebody down the street who might be earning forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year and is a trucker who breaks his back or she breaks her back... Nine, ten months of the year, they're away from their family. They're all of a sudden, you're talking, <coughs> excuse me, you want to buy an automobile? You want to buy a pickup truck? Okay, two, three, four thousand dollars more. Why? Well, we put the tariffs in place because that country's screwing us. No, you're screwing the trucker. And this resonates throughout the economy. Trucks are built out of steel and aluminum. Cars are built out of steel and aluminum. Motorcycles, as you now know, are built out of steel and aluminum. If Harley-Davidson has to increase production abroad to get around our tariffs and the EU's tariffs, what do you think other businesses have to do? They're making air conditioning units, like Carrier. 
Whatever happened to Carrier? We don't hear about that anymore. Because it didn't work. That's why. Protectionism didn't help. Well, there you go. I'm the one standing for hardworking Americans. I'm the one standing for the middle class. I'm the one standing for the American consumer. Stand with me. Now, you know what? I'm shutting it off. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. This is our three, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. By the way, my guest This coming Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin on the Fox News Channel is Sean Hannity. And we're going to talk about things I don't think he's ever really discussed before. We'll see. I haven't done the interview yet. We'll see. He's a buddy of mine, but I thought that might be fascinating. He is the number one cable host in the nation. Nobody's even close. And I notice that doesn't pop up on too many websites anymore. When he was neck and neck with this uh, Rachel Maddow, still beating her, but she'd win every now and then it would pop up. Maddow wins, Maddow wins. But Hannity's victories are so, what? Constant. They don't do that anymore. You don't hear about it. Let's get into a couple other things and we can get back to any one of these issues you would like. Let's take a look at San Francisco, shall we? San Francisco was a beautiful city. Parts probably still are. But the left-wing uh, kooks have gotten a hold of it, fully a hold of it, and they're destroying it. There's even a headline in the San Francisco Chronicle. Poop, needles, rats. Homeless camp pushes San Francisco neighborhood to the edge. One awful experience on one unremarkable city block represent the hellscape that has infuriated many San Francisco residents. I must ask you, anywhere where there's one party left-wing Democrat rule, is it better than it was before or worse than it was before? When taken to an extreme, like a Marxist paradise, look at Venezuela. They're all police states. But here's San Francisco. I haven't been to San Francisco in a long time, but when we used to go to San Francisco, it was the most beautiful city I'd ever seen. Geographically. Wonderful restaurants. Just a beautiful, beautiful city. Now look. Only the left can turn a beautiful city into poop, needles, rats, homeless camp pushes San Francisco neighborhood to the edge. And yet they'll keep voting Democrats in that, a Democrat in that city over and over and over again because that's all they know. What, you're against the people? What, you're a racist? What, you support Hitler? What? What's wrong with you? Then uh, there was another example I wanted to use here. Can't find it right now. Okay, let's see. Bear with me. I'm looking, I'm looking at my list here. 
Oh, for the second year in a row, Bernie Sanders has earned more than $1 million. For the second year in a row, Bernie Sanders has earned $1 million. Shouldn't that be confiscated from him? What does Bernie Sanders need all that money for, after all? The left is a joke. I told you, it's a pseudo-ideology. It's a fake ideology. Well, nobody seems to care. You know what everybody wants to discuss now? Tariffs. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll dangle this a little bit longer. Then we've we got to move on. Nick, Los Angeles, California, AM 870, The Answer. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark, you are the best. Your show on Fox is killing it. You're awesome. Um, you know, I think in the short term, of course, it's bad for America. You're 100% correct. But in the long term, it might just give us a better deal. You know who doesn't care about the American workers? China, Canada. They don't give two hoots about so the American So the way worker. we deal with – forget about China. I said that's a different issue. So the way we deal with Canada is to drive up our taxes. You know what? They're not, they don't care about our unemployment. Hold on. No, 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 no. I do. I care about our people. So the way we compete with Canada – is to drive up our costs with a 25% federal sales tax. That's the way we compete with Canada? It sounds counterintuitive, but uh, don't look for Justin Trudeau protecting the steelworkers. I, I don't care about Justin Trudeau. You see, you're, 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 you're throwing shiny objects at me. I don't care about Justin Trudeau. I don't care about Canada. I don't care about their government. I don't care about their steel industry. I care about my country and our people. And when you drive up the cost of something, well, then let's talk it through. Your answer is a 25% tax on steel in the United States if it's shipped into the United States. For three decades in America. What's that? My answer isn't what's been going on in America for three decades. We've had tariffs in place for steel companies for 40 years. You think somebody just woke up and decided to do it? We've used tariffs. We've used subsidies. They have a very powerful union. They fight uh, technological changes. See, I'm willing to tell you stuff nobody else is because they're afraid they'll lose 0.3% of their audience. I'm telling you, 70% of the steel that's produced in this country is produced by American steel companies. And yet you want me to believe that they're going to go out of business tomorrow. If the idiots in Canada want to subsidize their steel and send it to us so we can have... More manufacturing, more active assembly lines, creating more cars, more motorcycles, more mufflers, more, uh, more hubcaps, more toasters, more this, more that. Why do I care? Why do I care? There's a lot of businesses. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of union members, blue-collar workers who benefit from this. And when you throw a 25% tax on something, their jobs are at risk. And, of course, nobody cares about the consumer. Notice the protectionists never, ever talk about you, the consumer, ever. Like, Nick, you want to talk about the consumer? Nick, what, are you wanting yeah, a car wash or something? I can't hear you there. Let's talk about the consumer, just the, the American consumer. What happens to the American consumer? You're 100% correct. I just think politically, maybe this will get China and other nations to the negotiating table. No, China, China is a problem because China wants to conquer us. Canada does not want to conquer us. Canada is not building fake islands uh, and militarizing them in order to cut off our sea lanes. Canada is not building weapons aimed at the United States. China is. 
Canada is not threatening our allies. China is. Canada is not building aircraft carriers to confront our aircraft carriers. China is. I have what I call national security exceptions to trade. And we need to do everything we can to punish China. And if that means a tax increase on the American people, so be it. But let's not pretend that that's done as an economic justification. People can make that case, but it doesn't work. That's exactly why Bernie Sanders pushes this. You want to know why Bernie Sanders pushes these tariffs, that is, taxes on the American people? Because it, it, it gives more to the, Amer- to the federal government treasury, and just like with the Chinese, they can control the American people, control the products we buy, uh, control who makes them, uh, and usually it is the base of the Democrat Party that they're trying to defend. For instance, you don't hear these arguments when it comes to oil, do you, from the Democrats? We have got to make sure that the price of oil that comes in from overseas is exactly the same or that they're not cheating us. Therefore, we're going to do this, that, or the other. You don't hear that because they view the oil companies as the enemy. All right, my friend, I've silenced you with my genius. Thank you. But he was a nice guy. Good caller. Um, let's see. Chris has an interesting point, even though it's inaccurate. In Eureka, California, the great K-I-N-S. Well, maybe it is accurate. Let's hear what it is. How are you, Chris? I'm doing real well, Mark. Thanks. Um, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. That's just outstanding. Thank you, sir. No, it's thanks to you and everybody listening. But I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, I, the first thing I wanted to comment about was, uh, well, it's about you. And uh, that the fact that, you know, the whole pseudo-events, the pseudo-party, the pseudo-Democrats, everything that you've said, everything that you say on a daily basis is all correct. And the reason that it is, a very simple reason, without going into the, the really involved ones, is, is that you'll never hear anybody on the left say your name. You'll never <laughs> put on the TV program, and because, you know, and Rachel, half of, probably half of Rachel Maddow's viewing audience is just watching her because it's like a black comedy. I mean, I, sometimes I laugh. Dump. You know, it's, it's entertaining to watch. I said the dump. They never... Go ahead. You know, Mark okay. Levin says this, or, or listen to what this guy's got to say. You know, they'll never mention your name because I don't think they want anybody out there to know <laughs> that you exist. <clears throat> well... It's an interesting take, but if you go to Media Matters, and if you were here last year, I came under vicious assault from virtually every major news operation in the country because uh, we here put together the newspaper articles and other arguments to begin the to expose the uh, the espionage that took place against Trump world, and so we take our hits here, but. You know, I argue, I argue from substance. I argue from logic. I argue from philosophy. I argue about history and economics and so forth and so on. Some people don't like my style. Some people don't like my radio style. They prefer my Fox News style or they prefer the Levin TV style or they like the way I write, which they say is more cerebral and so forth and so on. Like any other human being, you know, I'm, 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 different facets to your personality. If somebody is pointing their finger at my face, not literally, but on the radio, and le- well, I'm going to respond in kind. On the other hand, if I'm sitting down writing a book, which is a, really, it's a, uh, what am I trying to say? It is a difficult task. If, I, if I'm sitting down writing a book, and it's a solitary task, if you do it the way I do it, then it, you, you have a different you know, way of approaching it. 
All right, Chris, thank you for your, uh, for your call. Todd, Orlando, Florida, the great, uh, well, where, you're listening to us on WSKY in Orlando, Florida? 97.3, and actually, it's Ocala, Florida, they broadcast through Orlando. Ocala, that's what I thought. Ocala, Florida. Go right ahead. Yeah, I just don't understand why we're not activating the Hague Convention, because every country in South America, Central America, and the United States are parties to the Hague Convention. These children were abducted from either both parents or at least from one parent, and we have an obligation. I, I, I know, but you go to the Hague Convention, and exactly who are you suing? We have we return to so Canada. we should bring what forty thousand lawsuits? No, we should return these children. Okay, no, but, 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 but. the Hague Convention. You said we can return these children now. Why would we go to the Hague? I didn't say go to Hague. I said we should honor our obligation to the Hague Convention. And no, 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 but the Hague Convention's irrelevant. We have existing. We don't need to look at that. We have existing immigration law. I agree with you totally, but... I'm so just, how would triggering the Hague Convention do anything differently? It's just making a point that we have a legal obligation under international treaty to return abducted children. All right, and they're not all abducted. They're all abducted by one parent. No, but that's your... Some are, some aren't. That's your definition of abduction. Uh, some are not. You're right. Some are there with both parents. Then Hague does not apply. But I, I, don't, I don't know why we would... Who, who are we asserting the Hague Convention to? If You're saying one, we should use the Hague Convention. I, I'm not following you. We can deport the... We have plenty of opportunities and legal bases for deporting people. The problem is enforcing them. So why would we bring in an international treaty like that's going to do something to help us? We have an honor. We have an opportunity. All right, thanks for your call. I, what am I... Mr. Producer, what am I missing here? Oh, my Lord, I don't know how many more times we have an obligation to do what? To follow a treaty? We don't even follow our own law. We don't even follow our own constitution. We keep triggering that. Oh, but what if we say to ourselves, the Hague Convention, that somehow that'll make it right? No, that's a distraction. I'll be right back. Lovin. People keep pulling me in. All right, a little bit more. Not to upset people. That's not the goal here. Jerry, Passaic, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Well, you know, we've had three Republican presidents try it before everyone was a failure. Bush, Nixon, and the worst of the lot, of course, is Hoover. Yeah. Apparently, he hasn't learned anything from history. He thinks because he's doing it, it's going to be better. That's like the, the other side trying the same thing over and over and over again the people that want to get rid of them there's no difference why why do you think why do you think so many fairly conservative people want this very abusive intervention in in the market system claiming that it's fair claiming that other countries can't do this and forget about national security i'm not talking about that and say please tax me 25% Please, drive up the cost of everything I buy. And I'm telling you where this is going to lead. This is going to lead, if this keeps up, to a recession. And I worry about this because I want Trump reelected. Very, very much want him reelected. And I'm quite concerned that that's what's going to happen here. Good. The two major reasons conservatives are for it, number one, 
their stupidity. They don't know any better, number one. And number two, basically, they're catering to the Chamber of Commerce and K Street. Well, I don't think Trump is catering to the Chamber of Commerce. I just think people view a lot of these issues. If you disagree with them, then you're out to get Trump because there's a lot of people who are out to get Trump. I'm not one of them, and that should be obvious by now. So um, I think they they uh, they look at an issue, and if the president, you know, declares his position on it, if you disagree with it, I'm just telling you how it works because uh, there's a lot of cowards in this business who are not going to tell you what they really think. They're going to try and figure out what you want to hear. Oh, absolutely. All right, Jerry. I appreciate your call. But this shouldn't be new to anybody who's listened to this program or read anything I've ever written. I reject the the left's and the populist position on tariffs. I just do. And I've made my case over and over again. And you either agree with it or you don't. It's that simple. If you don't, that's perfectly fine, too. I don't have a problem with it. But... Uh, if tariffs could create wealth, then I'd love to know why we don't put tariffs on everything. And why 25%? Put it 100%. Can you imagine all the wealth we'd create, all the jobs we would save, all the jobs we create? Because it won't. It'll create a recession. And I'm worried about that. So, no, I feel like I'm the one who stands with the people. I'm the one who understands the assembly line and the worker and so forth. Well, you've never been on one. That's not my point. Most people who talk about the assembly line have never worked on one. But you create a robust economy, and it requires trade, and a lot of it, particularly given the appetite for we, the people in America, for products and services. Third world, they don't have an appetite for much of that. We do. Because we use a lot. Remember when Obama used to say we're 3 or 5% of the world and we use 25% of the world's resources? Well, you know what? He's right about that. Why do we use 20 or 25% of the world's resources? Because we're the most advanced economy on the face of the earth. So if we're 3 or 5% of the world's population, we use 20 or 25% of the world's resources. As a rational matter, we import more than we export. Is that what he said? That's what I said. We import more than we export, and that's okay, because we need it, and we want it, and we use it. That's why. Obama was used, was making that point because, like the left, he thought we used too much. Well, guess what? When you slap a 25% tax on the American people for something that's so crucial, it's kind of the same thing. I'll be right back. Show where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877 381 3811. I know the argument. People telling me over and over again these tariffs are just short term. They're being used to get these other countries to the negotiating table. Well, I don't know what that means, short term. Is it one month, two months, 10 months, three years? What is it? Doesn't like the EU came to the negotiating table. They just slapped tariffs on everything, including uh, Harley-Davidson. So um, I'm not sure how people know this. 
but when Bush put his tariffs in place on steel, it was only for 10 months, and we lost 200,000 jobs. Now, those are real jobs. Those are real working people, and they lost 200,000 jobs. Those are real people. You know, bet you'll never guess my favorite place to sit. Well, maybe if you listen regularly, you do. Mark, your favorite place to sit is on your butt. Well, that's true of most of us, isn't it? It's not my car. It's not a sofa. It's not a big leather chair in it. No. It's the chair I'm sitting at right now at my desk as I speak to you. It's an amazing new X chair. Now, the X chair is not only the most modern and stylish piece of furniture I have in the bunker, it is luxuriously comfortable, and I am quite serious about this. It molds itself to my body, giving me ideal posture, and you know about my lower back. I think they call it the L5 disc and so forth, which in turn gives me more energy, better concentration, more productivity than I ever thought possible. Don't waste another day sitting in that generic chair. I know you've been using it. Probably the arm broke or the thing is squeaking all over the place. Get an X chair and feel the difference, and you will. And heck, if you own a company, get them for the entire office and see how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they become as a result. Now, here's a special deal just for you. And I'm going to tell you it's just for you because the X-Chair is only available right now on this radio show. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com. Go there right now. Get $100 off right on the top. That's xchairlevin.com. Or give them a call, 1-844-4X-Chair. 1-844-4X-Chair. Now, extra comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. I mean, that is great. 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. You're not going to get that from one of these office stores or warehouse stores. So go to xchairlevin.com. And by the way, if you use code LEVINFOOTREST, you'll get a free footrest. But you've got to do it now. That's xchairlevin.com. Use code Levin Footrest. I want to strongly encourage you to go to this website and check it out. I am telling you, this is a great chair. It has helped my back enormously. And I got it with the headrest, too. So the whole back, neck, head, it's just great. And actually, during the breaks, I lean back in this chair, and I have to stop myself from falling asleep. You're going to love this chair. xchairlevin.com. xchairlevin.com. Or give them a call. One eight four 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 X chair. I met with these folks for ninety minutes. Went to the uh, warehouse that they have. Sat in their various X chairs. Very very impressed. Very very impressed, and you will be too. I know that. Now Iran. Trump's policy on Iran is a grand slam. Listen to this piece from Reuters. Iran. Rial, or real, that's their uh, phony currency, plunges to new lows as the U.S. sanctions loom. Dubai, Reuters. The Iranian rial plunged to a record low against the U.S. dollar on the unofficial market on Sunday, continuing its slide among fears of returning U.S. sanctions after President Donald Trump in May withdrew from a deal in Tehran's nuclear program. And by the way, this is what Bush did. He was driving their economy into the ground. People were rising up. And then comes Barack Milhouse Benito Obama and saves the day for the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. But don't dare call him. Don't, don't, 
use, don't, you know, the H word. No, no, no. That's Trump. The dollar was being offered for as much as 87,000 rials compared to around 75,000 on Thursday, the last trading day before Iran's weekend, according to foreign exchange website Bombast.com. Iran's semi-official news agency, ISNA, said the dollar had climbed to 87,000 rials on Sunday from about 74,000 before the weekend on the black market. And several Iranian websites carried similar reports. You know, for you who are among our tourists out there, you probably get a pretty good deal uh, if you want to take a, uh, a lovely vacation to Iran. Of course, you'd be nuts, but there you are. The currency has been sliding for months because of a weak economy, financial difficulties at local banks, and heavy demand for dollars among Iranians who fear the pullout by Washington from the nuclear deal and renewed U.S. sanctions against Tehran could shrink the country's exports of oil and other goods. The fall of the national currency has provoked a public outcry over the quick rise of prices of imported consumer goods. Merchants at the mobile phone shopping centers Aladdin and Charsal in central Tehran protested against the rapid depreciation of the rial by shutting down their shops on Sunday, the semi-official news agency FARS reported. A video posted on social media showed protesters marching and chanting, strike, strike, strike. The footage could not be authenticated independently by Reuters. Hours later, Information and Communications Technology Minister Mohammed Zarayabadabadu said on Twitter that he visited the protesting merchants. I'll try to help provide hard currency for mobile equipment imports, Yabadaba said. The merchant's activity has now grown back to normal. Some of the U.S. sanctions against Iran take effect after a 90-day wind-down period ending on August 6. The rest, most notably on the petroleum sector, about a 180-day wind-down period ending on November 4th. Now, the real, for those of you who have one, has weakened from around 65,000 rials just before Thursday's announcement of the U.S. withdrawal in the early May from 42,890 at the end of the last year, a free fall that threatens to boost inflation, hurt living standards, and reduce the ability of the Iranians to travel abroad. So what Trump is doing to Iran is exactly what needs to be done to Iran because it is a fascistic Islamo. You know what's interesting? I call an Islamo-Nazi regime, and I take a lot of hell for this. And yet there's many similarities between that regime and the Nazis. Not perfect, but close enough. Meanwhile, they call Trump Hitler. And they proudly do it. They repeat themselves in the uh, American uh, pseudo-media. We have Hitler, and we got concentration camps. I call this an Islamo-Nazi regime, which is exactly what it is. Hey, did you hear what he said? Nazi is a Nazi word. Well... They have political gulags. They murder their own people. They rape their own people. They torture their own people. Look what they're doing overseas, excuse me, uh, external to their country, whether it is Yemen or Syria or Iraq or what have you, what they've been doing to the Kurds. How dare you call them a Islamo-Nazi regime? Remember, Trump is Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. America has concentration camps. Pretty sick, isn't it? All righty. Let's take some more calls here. Who do we have? 
Roger. Flagstaff, Arizona. The great KBTK. Go. I want you to know that I'm a longtime listener, and my mom and dad loved you on Hannity. Thank you. They loved Hannity. Yes. But what I want to tell your listeners is I'm a cowboy and cowboyed for over 35 years along the southern border in Arizona. Yeah. And when politicians stand up and say the border is secured, well, they don't live there. They're not having to pack a gun on their hip every time they go out, and Mm -hmm. it's dangerous. Mm Mm-hmm. And when they send letters to the White House under President O'Dummy mm-hmm. and Brewer and nothing's done and a rancher is murdered, nothing's done, it's time we do something. Well, the Democrats don't get any votes out of securing the border, sir. They don't get any votes. And and then you have Republicans running all the time. McCain used to do it. Now you have McSally doing it. McSally is a border dove. Now all of a sudden she's a border hawk. And they've pulled stuff off her website and so forth and so on to make everyone in Arizona believe that she will secure the border. Remember when McCain ran this last time? He pulled the same stunt. And then they come to Washington and they do what the hell they want to do. And they're not the only ones. There's others too. There's a congressman, I can't remember his name, from Illinois. He he won the... uh, he won as a Tea Party candidate early on. Now he's a, a rhino, a complete rhino. I forget his name. Begins with a K. Uh, and so uh, this is what they do. They deceive us. Well, I told, I called the comment line to the White House, and I told Trump, you want to shut down the border, put a tweet out, you want 3,000 cowboys. We'll do it. Yeah, well, he's not going to do that, but thank you. I imagine you would, and I imagine you'd be good at it. All right, sir, thanks for your call. Nah, we're not allowed to secure the border in any conceivable way. And they just want another deal, you see. They work these deals like snake oil salesmen on Capitol Hill. Hey, I want a comprehensive immigration reform. First amnesty, then a path to citizenship, then this, then that. And when all that's done, we'll fund the border. And they never do. And as I told you last week, this entire argument about separating kids from parents and then the families are together and then you can't have the whole family in detention. You know, what are we, Nazi Germany? So you follow the Democrats down the, uh, the yellow brick road and then they grab you and they say, okay, let them loose. But they won't even say that. That's the only alternative they give you. It's the only alternative they give you because that's what they want. They want endless cycles of amnesty. Even Trump, I can hear them five years, even Trump let these people into the country. But President XYZ isn't even as good as Trump. You know, Reagan and Bush and Nixon and Bush and Reagan and and uh, and Trump, and so they were not as bad as President XYZ, who's against amnesty. It is one cycle of amnesty after another. It's been going on for 40 years. And truthfully, that's why red states have turned purple and red states have turned blue. You know damn well that the people coming into this country were mostly from Eastern Europe, hordes of them, large numbers of them, voting Republican. The media would take the opposite position. The Democrats would take the opposite position. They absolutely would. All right, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
right for the Rockettes and the pom-poms out there. There's a great deal this president does that I am very enthusiastic about, as you well know if you listen to this program. A great deal that I am enthusiastic about. I have every intention of voting for him again, and I hope he runs. And that's the point. I want him to succeed, and I want the American people to succeed. And on this, we disagree. But you won't find me sabotaging him. That I can tell you. There was a passing this morning that I want to mention. Those of you who watch the show Pawn Stars, P-A-W-N Pawn Stars. It's a wonderful show. Features a wonderful family, the Harrison family. And I've come to know Rick, and I like him a lot. I consider him a good friend. And the old man, as they called him, old man Harrison, passed away this morning at the age of 77. So we wish the family Godspeed, and uh, I know it's a very close family, and we hope the old man rests in peace. I know he'd been sick for a while, but that's about all that uh, I want to say about that. So, um, but you know... Rick and the family, I'm sure, brought, uh, brought his father much joy. Much joy over the years with that program, Pawn Stars. And uh, the old man was hilarious. He was a key part of the show as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but he took ill. So again, we wish the family all the best. We're very sorry. Now you know by now that you and your entire family, credit history, everything can fall victim to identity theft at any moment. Every time you use your credit card or even open an email, techno thieves are after you. So have you taken measures yet to protect your most valuable asset? That is your identity. Don't wait. Let my ID care start protecting you today. Identity theft is a serious, complicated matter. For instance, have you heard of synthetic ID theft? It's when thieves take pieces of personal information from various people and create a fake persona. But my ID care covers you for even this sophisticated kind of scam. And look, no one can protect you 100%, but my ID care offers best in class protection and gives you what most don't a 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. Let my ID care take care of you like they do me and my family. It is a wonderful sponsor, and we really upgraded when we moved to My ID Care, and I want you to do the same. Credit freezes alone, well, they won't protect you from all nine types of identity theft, but My ID Care, it will. Learn more and get 15% off at MyIDCare.com slash mark, promo code mark. That's MyIDCare.com slash mark, promo code mark. One more time. MyIDCare.com slash mark, promo code mark. You're going to love this. It's priced very, very well. You can protect your whole family, and it is the best in class. And they have that 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. Nobody else does that. So it's myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark. Okey-dokey. Let's see what else we have here in our call list. Stewart. Pensacola, Florida, the great WCOA. Go right ahead, please. Well, Mark, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. I'm a daily listener. Thank you very much. 
I wanted to make a uh, make known a concern of mine that's been around uh, me for about uh, two or three years on these sanctuary cities, and it also relates to the uh, open borders family unit thing that's going on right now. Yeah. It appears that <clears throat> the sanctuary cities provide areas where illegals can live out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. In two years, we get a new census. That's going to uh, count all persons in districts, etc. And the population of California is going to spurt up 10, mm-hmm. 15 million because they don't worry anymore about filling out census forms. When that happens, the congressional districts and the electoral colleges, college votes will be reallocated. It will come out of flyover country, their term, not mine. And this is going to hurt us in 2024. And it might hurt and devastate us as well in 2022, actually, with the congressional elections. So I, I always listen to you for, for sensible constitutional advice. And although I have a cure for this, I wondered if you did. (laughs) Well, I think it's beyond constitutional. I think the president's trying to do everything he can. You know, when we go into federal court, we have these Obama appointees, among others. We had a Supreme Court decision where uh, Anthony Kennedy wrote the majority, five to four decision, striking down Arizona's immigration laws, which basically parroted the federal laws and said enforce the federal laws. Part of the problem is, you know, head they wins, tails we lose. So when you lose the rule of law, when you lose virtue, you lose your country. So there's no simple answer. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. It has been a great honor. Thank you. And thank you for your vote for the National Radio Hall of Fame. I am deeply blessed and honored. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.